EV Comply, simplifying your charge point installations. Christmas Eve, and this year I've spoke to some fantastic, fascinating people in the industry. So let's take a look back on those interviews. So I'm currently joined with Sam Clark, Chief Vehicle Officer at GridSurf, who are in fact the brains behind the UK's first electric forecourt. Hello, Sam. Hi, Chelsea. Nice to be here. Hi. Yeah, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. So, I mean, I think I've just said it, the UK's first electric forecourt. That's a pretty cool claim for you to have, isn't it? Yeah, it may even be the first one in the world. We're not entirely sure, but we certainly think it's uh, it's definitely the best or the first one in the UK. Yeah, so we're incredibly proud to get it up and running now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of over 100 sites we're going to build around the country in the next five years. So we've got really, really um, fierce ambitions to get that done. Um, the one in Braintree in Essex just happened to be one that um, the stars aligned first with. And we've got a we've got a very complex data set that we have to analyze to see what the best location is. And it's it's based on a lot of parameters, but, but things like um, uh, vehicle movements around the busy roads. You know, it's on a very busy uh, dual carriageway in the A131 in Great Notley with thousands of cars uh, traveling down that road every single day. Um, then we've got a grid connection considerations um, as well as where our energy is coming from. We, we build and own solar farms as well. So we've got a we've got a location 44 miles down the road, which is a 60 acre uh, solar farm, which is generating all the energy for site, as well as um, as well as other other means of use of that energy. So I honestly think that the way you've gone about it, you know, the concessions, the whole look of the thing as well, you know, aesthetically, it's very pleasing. And you've made something that could ultimately have been quite boring, um, you know, fit really well. And it doesn't look too outlandish either. You know, you've not gone super spacecraft on it, which I think can happen with EV. I think a few people can think, you know, this is the future. Let's make it look like the future. And I think, you know, aesthetically, it's very pleasing. It's very practical, clearly, because like you say, a lot of people are using it. And I think the concession side of it's brilliant because, you know, I absolutely love when I stop off anywhere. It's my favourite part about travelling, <laughs> travelling anywhere, you know, to just have a nosy round and see. And the fact that you've put that in or for the coffee or whatever, I think it's brilliant. I really do. I think it's a good recipe generally, actually. I mean, it might, you know, going down to, to Cornwall a few times, um, you know, in the last few years and stopping off at uh, Darts Farm in Exeter, which has got a Tesla Superchargers. But it's got so much more. It's got it's got a, a farm shop and fields and play areas and, and stuff that people, you know the first time we went there as a family we ended up i needed to charge for 20 minutes we were there for an hour you know because there were other things to do and i think we're not necessarily trying to go for that that extreme case but not a good case good business case good example that it is but i think if you can create enough interest around the other things you're doing while you're there such that the charging doesn't become something where you're stood on the side of the road in the pouring rain waiting in a frustration but actually you know, I'm here for 20 minutes. I'm going to have a coffee. The kids are going to be in the play area. I might check my emails. I've got to alleviate the bladder range, which we've all got. Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, once you've done all of those things and you know your, your brain's busy doing other things for 10 or 15 minutes and then charging is something that just happens to be done while you're doing that part of the, you know, of your life, then I think it, it starts to sing a little bit more to, to the, perhaps the, the next generation of EV drivers that don't yet have one. And I am very excited to say I'm joined with Jordan Farley from Artisan Electrics. Hey! Hello, nice to be with you. It's just exponential growth at the moment, really. I don't think anyone could have ever predicted how fast the uptake of electric vehicles would be. But certainly in the last two years, particularly, it's been massive. And yeah, we've seen it from our side just in the number of inquiries that we're getting all the time for electric vehicle charging. We're getting 
so many calls every day from people wanting EV charge points installed. Um, a lot of that is off the back of our YouTube videos because we do quite a lot of informational videos helping people to understand what chargers are out there, what's involved in getting them installed, what does the customer need to know uh, before they can get one installed. So that brings a lot of leads in for us, which is really nice. But in general, we're seeing so many contractors having the same thing where they've positioned themselves as EV experts and they're getting so many inquiries uh, for EV charging points because people are buying EVs now. They want to help the transition to um, you know, more sustainable forms of transport and they're doing their bit for, for the environment, which is nice. Plans as well as a business, we're growing rapidly. We're trying to take on more electricians to uh, get more great EV charging installations done. But we're also looking to be able to help train other electricians as well, because a lot of people look to us now for advice about how to get into EV charging as a, a part of their business. So we're working on things in the background to actually be able to help other electricians to get into the industry too. I am currently joined with Mike Lanagan, who is Head of Operations at Moixa. Hello, Mike. Hi, Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it is a great sector to be in at the moment. It's very, very, it's all happening, shall we say. Now, how have you found the uptake of smart batteries, um, hardware and smart energy storage, which is, of course, what you focus on? Is it, has it been fast? Has it been an increase? Is it a bit of a slow burn? How is it? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, it's it's kind of growing faster and faster. I think um, possibly um, been a bit slow, but we, we can really see how it's kind of increasing and, and people becoming more aware. Um, and and what I think is quite interesting is that there's two kind of uh, key drivers for this uptake. Um, I think the initial uptake and, and kind of what is probably the most prevalent now is um, people who are looking for kind of uh, energy independence. Um, and, and so what they're doing is they're using the batteries to maximize the use of their solar output um, and reduce their, their energy bills. Um, but I think over time, what you're going to see is um, a shift towards a model of a kind of like a dem democratization of energy, where people aren't looking to be energy independent, but actually to be more actively involved in the energy system. Um, and uh, under this model, they'll be kind of storing energy to sell um, depending on the market requirements for the grid. Um, and this, this, this kind of second model that I that described um, you know, also ultimately reduces energy bills and generates revenue. But it's, as opposed to the first one, it's, it's really about people becoming more actively involved in the energy system as opposed to um, trying to kind of, uh, you know, uh, isolate themselves from it. So another week, another podcast, and very excitingly, I'm joined with Nick Leslie, who is Head of Climate Action Now at Stockport Council. Hey, Nick. Hey, Chelsea, how are you doing? Are kind of focusing and noticing, you know, that more needs to be done, really. So you have got loads going on, haven't you, really? But firstly, obviously, with the podcast mainly being around kind of the car industry and motoring, tell me what it is you're planning on doing with regards to transport, because that's a big one to tackle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And as we know from, you know, carbon footprints of organisations, local authorities, national uh, carbon footprint. Transport is a huge proportion of, of our greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so it's a really important sector to, to tackle. Uh, and in fact, it is one of our one of our key work streams that we have, uh, one of the key components uh, of our overarching strategy at Stockport Council. Um, so we're, we're very much uh, approaching it from encouraging uh, carbon-free transport. 
so we we really try to increase walking and cycling and access to public transport um so that that's the that's the main thrust i think you you alluded to it there's, there's a lot going on in this space at the moment uh, but there is there is so much more to do uh, and it involves um infrastructure i think infrastructure is a huge issue that we need to uh, get hold of uh, obviously around ev charge points things like that um so so yeah it, it is t- t- you know very high up our agenda if not top of you know one of the the, the top work streams within within what we want to do um but yeah we, we need to keep transforming the walking and cycling opportunities i think so that's the sort of carbon free transport but also enabling uh use of electric vehicles as well uh, and that involves i think very much installing that charge point network joining things together uh, and i think uh, uh, Certainly in the short term with my role, it's about building those sort of networks between businesses, communities, residents to, to come together uh, uh, and, uh, and sort of uh, and join up on this. And I, I, I think that's the issue with climate change, really. Uh, I mean, we, the council, Stockport Council, has it's got a big role to play in, in the locale, a huge role. We Not just in terms of its own operations, but also in terms of influencing what happens in the whole borough too. So I'm currently joined with Nick Tucker, who is in fact co-owner of EV Wales and EV Tower. Hey, Nick. Hi, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you. Um, as ever, thank you for spending your time and coming on the podcast this week. We appreciate it. No, that's fantastic. I'd uh, be glad to uh, voice my opinion on a few things. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, and obviously working and knowing and coming from an electrical background, do you think the 2030 target is um, realistic? Do you think we can do it? I would like to say yes, but I think it's going to take a lot more sort of collaboration between between installers as such. I think to get that united goal of we need to get need to deliver this as installers. That um, yeah, the more partnerships that can be forged and the more we can work together as an industry, I think it, I think it's doable. Um, it's, the numbers say that you know it's picking up month on month, so there's no reason it's just having the right workforce and getting the guys trained, get them on the road, and yeah, start getting these charges in. Definitely. I mean, in the podcast last week, I did a government announcement, which is basically them saying that they're crying out now for electricians to learn about kind of EV installations and how to move forward. So obviously, this is something you do. It's a trans. It's a transition that presumably you did from just you know being a spark to this. Um. So what would you say to anyone who's listening to the podcast who's maybe thinking about kind of moving into the EV sector? Yeah, as, as a company, I think you'd be crazy not to. Um, the work's there, you know, it's an exciting industry. Everyone's more than helpful. Everyone I've spoken to and directed us in the right direction over the past two years, They've yeah, everyone's been fantastic, to be fair. I would like to see some industry change from the training providers, possibly, where there was a, an EV course developed rather than it being a broad spectrum of uh, to get your electrical qualifications it can take some time, you know, it's, it's sort of four years to become a fully fledged electrical engineer. Whereas I see it being a kind of meter engineering kind of job where you, you're trained specifically to do EV rather than having to go through the the wheel as such to get qualified before, you're, uh, before you can put the charges in. I'm actually joined with Sophie Adams, who is head of consumer experience at Ozev. Hey, Sophie. Hi. It's so nice, as I've said to you before, um, to be talking to a girl in this industry because they're kind of few and far between still, which is sad. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there are 
a lot of women that I'm seeing now sort of come into this sector and that is hugely exciting and there's some great role models which I'm to be honest that I'm really happy about. Now you obviously do a lot within the sector as you've just kind of touched upon but the biggest thing of course is the grant system that's currently in place with OZEV which is helping people move forward and adopt the EV process. So we ourselves have kind of seen firsthand the demand increase for grants over the last 18 months because that's part of obviously our EV Comply app that we do help people to kind of deal with the paperwork and stuff but how has OZEV adapted to these challenges do you think to deal with the increase in workflow and the processing really because we've seen a massive influx so you must have your end mm. i mean the demand for the home charge workplace charge uh, charge point grants and the plug-in grants it's risen hugely and very much looking at on for zero emission vehicles i mean as you were saying over the past 18 months it's i mean it is amazing but it's also really presented us with some challenges to actually as you mentioned how to process uh, these grant applications and make sure that these are uh, matched in demand as well. Um, but we're making sure that in the medium term that we are running off platforms that offer more resilience. So as you get more requests on a day to day basis, that we can process these really easily. And for example, on World EV Day, we had announced uh, more detail on sort of what we're going to do in the near future. Um, but to be honest, we're looking at uh, how we can make sure that the grant makes the most difference and constantly keeping them under under review. So what do consumers need? What do installers need? Um, and really understanding what what is the function of all of this. We don't want to mirror the current system of going to refuel your petrol and diesel car. But actually, the charging of your EV should be seamless. It should be part of your day to day life. So actually, it's understanding how we go and talk to industry, go and talk to our users, consumer bodies, and to make improvements now, such as even things like open data. So consumers can find the charge point that is right for their needs, ensuring that the network is reliable, that you've got basic payment methods, uh, that this is streamlined, and you have pricing transparency, all of which we have been, have been consulting on over the last year. And it's those key learnings that actually it's not just about one component, but a more holistic approach. What is the outcome that we actually want to get to? What is the outcome that the consumers want over the next five, 10, 20 years to decarbonize transport and work back from that? So the grants are one part of this as well. Our infrastructure is another part and also looking at how do we encourage home charging and what happens in a smarter world as well. So how can we work with other home technologies? So it's not a single uh, it's not a single piece of work. This is a really, a really huge and embedded piece of work across government. I'm joined with Paul Kirby, head of EV and LCV at Vanarama, the UK's leading independent commercial and personal vehicle online leasing company with nearly 30 years experience. A massive hello, Paul Kirby. Well, hello. Gosh, I sound really important. You know, there are a a number of vans, but if we look back to the beginning of 2020, there was five vans available. There had been a couple more, but they'd ended and, you know, that was it. And there was five vans available. By the end of 2020, there was about 14 available, which is great. 
But what we've got is a situation where the, the CEOs of big companies are sending out their messages about, you know, electrification by 2025 or 2027. There's 40 or 50 companies all signed up to the clean van commitment, which is electrification of the entire fleet by 2028. So there's a lot of big fish all chasing what is relatively small in terms of bait um, in the electric van. But my encouragement to people is to really step into it and come and ask those questions, particularly around electric vans, because lots and lots of benefits. And, you know, with things like this, you have to just do it, like you say. And how brilliant. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Because you think you charge your phone every night, you know, you'll put your, even your Apple Watch on charge, you'll do this, you'll do that, you know. And then they go, oh, but I've got to plug in a car. But I think everyone remembers, actually, <laughs> first filling up with petrol or diesel in their first car. I remember yeah. that and I know you will and everyone <laughs> listening will have a memory where you pull in yes. the petrol station and then it's sheer panic. <laughs> And it's so simple. It's so simple now. And obviously you do it with your eyes shut. But when you first pass, and that's really what everyone else is reverting back to now. It's that kind of first pass mentality almost. Yes. Because it's so new. And uh, I think that, you know, I think we can all empathise with that. And the fact that obviously you do pull up and think, which side's my petrol bump on? You know, ringing your dad or whatever. Is it petrol? Is it diesel? I'm a bit unsure. (laughs) And so I think to go and do it is absolutely brilliant, but not mainly for people to not feel silly. Um, And like you said earlier, which I really like, there is no stupid question in this. So even if you think, oh, you know, that might be a bit daft because this person knows so much about EV and I don't want to look silly. We're all kind of learning together. So all questions are welcomed, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's easy to sound really clever in this world at the moment. The fact is we're probably two paces ahead of anybody else. Do you know what I mean? And it's like that in the big scheme of things, it's just about passing knowledge on down the line. And, and, you know, you go through and you just hand it back and it... I'm, I'm certainly not particularly clever or particularly knowledgeable about electric vehicles. I'm not. Um, but I happen to know a little bit more because I happen to do it as a job. And therefore, I can talk with people. And, and it sounds really clever. And actually, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work all this stuff out. And it, you're absolutely right. Just stepping into the experience. I mean, my, my encouragement to anybody and everybody is just get started. Just Start on that journey, even if it's investigate a little something, go to your local charge point. I was at um, a charge point in Milton Keynes not, not too very long ago, and I, I saw a car turn up in the background that I wasn't familiar with. And I looked across and uh, it was a Ford Mustang Mach-E um, and it's, it's not out yet. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was just out now, I think. And so it was one, it was FMC1. So that was the number plate. Uh, which is Ford Motor Company number one. So it was the, you know, it was one of the six test vehicles that were in the UK. So I, I went over to the guy, of course, because you know, uh, even though I would prefer to to be a van, it was a car, um, but it was a cool car. And um, you know, the prancing, well, not the prancing horse, but the horse on the on the front and all that sort of stuff. It's all cool, right? So, um, but he didn't have a clue how to charge the thing and he wasn't <laughs> sure because he was just doing it for a job to put some miles on it and he he didn't really know much about it and, and so I said oh what we need to do is this and this is because the charge points right they don't always work <gasps> shock horror you know I know it's hot news right but um, they don't always work and we do need to get better at that it's definitely one area where we need to get better um, 
so I had to help him. We tried two or three charge points, and we eventually got him hooked up and you know, got him charging this Mustang Mackie. I got to look at it a little bit. But it is about stepping into situations and saying, let, let me help you get started. Let me, let me offer help. You know, don't stand on the sidelines, but step into it and give it a go. That's, that's the way I see it. You should have told him you were the charging wizard and only if you drove it for five miles would it then be charged <laughs> and he should let you have a go. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, dear. Yeah, he might I have fallen say. for it, to be fair. He might have. Damn I don't know how it. that would go have. down when he goes back. Where's the car? Well, it's with the charging wizard. I'd <laughs> 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 be like, what? Thank you so much for listening to our EV Comply podcast. We absolutely love bringing you the latest news and interviews from people within the industry and we hope that you enjoy listening as much as we do making it. We'll be back with you on the last day of the month bringing you a yearly roundup and special podcast so make sure you tune in. From everybody here at EV Comply, you have a fantastic Christmas day and enjoy some time off work. 